Okay, hello everybody. Good job saying hi to everybody. I love it. It's good when it takes time to sit down. Thank you. Thank you, Gerardo. Thank you. Um, hello, friends. If I haven't had the pleasure of meeting you yet, my name is Christina Hoagland, and I'm on staff here with NOIA with my husband, Eddie, and my beautiful friend, Chantel. And um, super, super uh, honored to be able to share God's Word with you tonight. Super thankful for the opportunity. Um, and before we dive into uh, the Word, we are coming off of a holiday week, and I just wanted to take a pause for a second (laughs) um, and just allow the Holy Spirit to minister to us because obviously the holidays can be really awesome, holidays like Thanksgiving, but they can also be really hard and really heavy as well. And so I just wanted to take some time. What I'd like to do is just um, to pray over you all. Um, And I'm going to ask you to raise your hand with everybody with their heads down, obviously, and eyes closed so you don't have to feel embarrassed, but just so I can pray for you. If the topics that I mention resonate with you, then I'll just be um, praying over those. So, um, yeah, so just pray with me. Father, we just want to uh, come before you tonight with humble hearts, with as we've just so, such a sweet time of worship, been able to just lift up your name. You are worthy, and you're the God who sees us, and you're the God who hears us. And I thank you, God, for the fact that you are that, um, because there's times where we we're more aware of our need for that than others, maybe. And so, Father, um, I just want, I pray, Holy Spirit, come. Holy Spirit, come in this space, minister to us. Friends, if you had um, difficult dynamics with family or friends this week, if you'd lift your hands. Okay, thank you. Father, you see these that have lifted their hands and those that maybe haven't that feel that way. And Lord, I just pray uh, for these now. Holy Spirit, would you um, just grant them a sense of peace and comfort knowing that you saw whatever the dynamics were and you were there in the midst of those? Father, I pray that you would remind them that you um, see them, that you are near to them. And God, anything that was spoken over them, I pray you would heal their ears. I pray you would heal their hearts. I pray that you would heal their minds and their souls. And God, that you would give them the courage and wisdom if there's any conversations that need to take place in the coming days with those people, God, that you would just guide that in Jesus' name. Friends, if any of you felt lonely this week, if you would raise your hands. Mm -hmm. Father, you see these. And Spirit, I just pray that you would comfort those who felt lonely this week. Holidays can do that. Sometimes it makes us even magnifiedly aware of um, where we are in life. And Father, I pray that you specifically would just speak to these that feel lonely, God, that you are with them. You are a friend that sticks closer than a brother. And even though they may not be able to see you and sense your nearness at all times, God, would you supernaturally just give them comfort in their heart to know that they are not alone. And God, would you give them eyes to see people in their lives that if they need more community, that you would give them eyes to see and the bravery to ask for a friendship. That you would invite people into the vulnerability, that you would help them invite people into the vulnerability of their lives. And that you would give the people in their life eyes to see the loneliness and that you would use your body to encourage those that are lonely. 
And lastly, friends, as we went into Thanksgiving right before that was the atrocity that we experienced in our city at Club Q. And I just wanted to ask if any of you were um, close to people who were impacted by the shooting or have been personally affected by that. Maybe it's caused a sense of fear or something else. Would you raise your hands? Mm -hmm. Father, I thank you for these. And um, Father, I thank you that um, we can trust that you were not turning a blind eye, that you were not not seeing the injustice that happened last week. And Father, your heart is for justice. And so I pray for justice over this. I pray for mercy. I pray that you continually heal those who have been affected, the families that have been affected. I pray that um, you would give the friends here or the people that were directly affected um, just comfort and healing and strength in this time. Father, I pray that as the body of Christ, you would just give us wisdom and that you would make it very plain to us how we can love others well in our city at this time and that you would just heal our city. We pray that you would have victory over that and just guide our steps, Lord, because we want to honor you and we want to love people well. And so, Lord, we pray these things in your name. And, Father, I thank you for this time to get to spend in your presence. And as we dive into your word, would you just go before us? I pray that you would speak to us tonight in your Holy Spirit and continue to minister to us as we're here together. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you, guys. Thank you for your vulnerability. Thanks for spending time. It's really sweet to spend that space. And Christmas comes really fast. And sometimes we don't always take the time to just pause and be like, that was rough. (laughs) Now let's go on. <laughs> so I just wanted to give you the time to do that. Okay, so tonight we are going to be in James chapter 5, which is the last chapter of the book. And as we study God's word, sometimes when you read passages in scripture, you come to it and you're like, that's super relatable, like instantly. Oh, I t- took something right away that I can apply to my life in regards to obedience or something I need to do to love others or for my spiritual life. But sometimes you read passages and you're like, I don't really understand how this directly applies to me in the moment. (laughs) And we kind of, the passage we're going to talk about tonight kind of is in both of those territories. And so I just wanted to mention to you, for even when you're like at home, um, reading the Word of God yourself, there's three things that are helpful to keep in mind, I think, when we study the Word of God. One, first and foremost, is what does the passage teach us about God? Because scripture is always telling us about him. Secondly, what's a practice to learn? Or thirdly, a principle to apply? And so those are three things you could just kind of keep in mind as you study. Because tonight, James is going to paint a picture for us first that the world is a hot mess, how we fit into the world that is a mess and what we do about it, and then where is God in all of that? So as we begin in James chapter 5, verse 1, James is going to show us that the world is a mess. He says, Pay attention, you wealthy people. Weep and moan over the miseries coming upon you. Your riches have rotted. Moths have destroyed your clothes. Your gold and silver have rusted, and their rust will be evidence against you. It will eat your flesh like fire. Consider the treasures you have hoarded in the last days. Listen, hear the cries of the wages of your field hands. These are the wages you stole from those who harvested your fields. 
The cries of the harvesters have reached the ears of the Lord of heavenly forces. You have lived a self-satisfying life on this earth, a life of luxury. You have stuffed your hearts in preparation for the day of slaughter. You have condemned and murdered the righteous one who doesn't oppose you. James is addressing these wealthy people who have stolen and take advantage of others to get to where they are and to stay where they are. And when he talks about this life of luxury, it's the idea of just having excess. Excess for excess sake, an abundance of things. And when he's talking about these things rusting or deteriorating, it's not because of the way they're being stored. It's literally because they have so much stuff they can't use it all, so it's just deteriorating. And, specifically, that they have all this at the expense of others. Verse 6, again, You have condemned and murdered the righteous one who doesn't oppose you. These wealthy are in the seat of power, so of course they don't have opposition. The wealthy are abusing their power and privilege to subject their workers to mistreatment and abuse and unjust actions to the point of murdering them. He says, murdering them. And whether that means literally or because they've stolen their wages, it's like a death sentence, right? They can't survive. They don't have money to live off of. And verse 4 is a really powerful image. And it's really beautiful how James says it. He says, listen, hear the cries of the wages of your field hands. So it's really interesting that the wages cry out first. Then we hear about the people crying out. And the picture there is like the, the landowners who have taken advantage of their workers have kept the wages of their workers in their pockets. And so the wages that are in the pockets of the, the landowners are literally crying out because they're supposed to be over here in the hands of the people who worked for them. And so the wages themselves are even crying out. James makes it super clear here that God is not okay with this. So what's something that we learn about God right now in this story? Because I'm sure that not all of us can relate to like being super wealthy and you know, having enough power to wield over people. <laughs> but what can we learn about God is that he hears them. God hears them. And the language, the name that he uses for himself here, the Lord of heavenly forces or the Lord of hosts, is like a defensive term, like a military term. And so he's like, I'm not messing around. <laughs> like, those cries have gotten to my ears, and I'm very upset about it. So he hears them, so God hears. And also, because of that, God is just. And he's not just just in the sense of his justice causing the judgment over the wealthy, right? Like hearing it being like, okay, now I know about that and there's judgment for you. But he's, he's also just in the sense that he's advocating for those who have been harmed. And this is really important to know about God, his justice, and to believe about God. Not just know it, but to believe it. Because as the desert mother... Mother T. Swift so profoundly said, life is emotionally abusive. <laughs> okay? Woo, when I heard that, I was like, come on, T. Swift. Okay. <laughs> Somebody's preaching. Um, life is emotionally abusive. Life is really hard. And 
So in light of that, it's really important to know that God advocates, that God is just. And his advocacy and justice don't always look like what we think they're going to or maybe what we want them to on this side of heaven. But we can always trust that God is moving, that God hears, and that he is just. And the way that I look at God's justice is kind of with two two aspects. One is that we need to be able to trust that God will bring justice to injustice because he is that way. We need to be able to trust that. I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living, right? But the second aspect is that in knowing God is just, there's an accountability that that brings to us, knowing that he will judge, knowing that he sees all the things that we do and how we treat one another. So justice is not only comforting, but it should propel us towards the good things that he has called us to do and be, too. So what does it look like to walk in light of God's justice? What do we do about the mess? There goes my water. God is just, and in being so, he is very concerned about the way that we treat each other. And there's two extremes, I think, sometimes in... Um, at least that I've observed specifically in the Christian community. One is that we um, can be like, okay, this thing is wrong, and I'm going to put judgment in my own hand and kind of make myself the executor of God's justice over the thing that I think is wrong in the way that I want to do it, right? The other extreme is I have ambivalence towards the broken things in the world, and I wash my hands of it. It has nothing to do with me. But in between those two things is where we can partner with God in his justice and we can bring light to the areas that God wants us to bring light to and then we can trust God for the things that we can't change, right? We don't have to be like, I think this is wrong, so I'm going to do everything I can and be whoever I want to be no matter who I'm talking to, the way that I say it, the timing that I say it, because I just want to make my point and I want to be the one who brings justice, or we might be like, That's, this isn't part of my life. That's not my story. I don't know that person, right? But somewhere in the middle is like, I want to carry the justice of God and be a light and let people know he is just, but I also want to believe that he's going to do something bigger than I can do. And I was just talking to one of our friends, actually young adults, about this earlier, and he was talking about how he was super fired up about something at work. And in his drive, he was like wrestling it out with the Lord. And he was like, okay, I'm going to say it. And then when he got to work, the Lord was like, don't say it. And then the Lord did all these things. So he didn't have to mess up his reputation in order to out somebody else. The Lord just did the things for him, which is really awesome. And I know that doesn't always happen. But it's somewhere in the middle that we can partner with God. And I've observed that Christians in both of these, you know, extremes happen. But my hope for us is that tonight we're going to learn a little bit more about what it looks like to partner with God in his justice. Um, So I will be the first to admit that I am a huge history nerd. Any other history nerds in the room? Yep. True crime. I know that. Yep. Yep. Know that. (laughs) Some of you aren't raising your hands, but I know. Um, Okay, so history nerd for sure. Um, which this is just like a side note, but I'm st- and I'm only talking about it because I'm such a history nerd that I have a podcast about the JFK assassination, if you are so inclined about such things. And we just passed the assassination last week on November 22nd, the day he was assassinated. So if you are, it's called Plausible Podcast. 
Um, but anyways, I'm a huge history nerd. And part of the reason that I am is because the more that I study, the more I discover the things that I, that I really don't know that much. I discover things, I'm like, oh my gosh. Like, and you know the rabbit holes, the endless rabbit holes of things. As you learn them, you're like, oh, and this, and this, and this, you know. So here's two examples that I want to share with you. Well, f- uh, first, um, currently I am researching American women in the time of the Victorian era who were put away in insane asylums against their will, and they were labeled insane literally because of the physiology of their body. And there's more than one case of that happening to these women where it was their husband who put them away in the asylum, and that husband uh, claimed to either be a believer or was like literally a minister of the gospel at a church. So my question is, in that situation, were those men partnering with God's justice in that? No, thank you. Come on, brother. Let's go. That's exactly right. I love it. No, they were not. Very good. Secondly, uh, on the topic of racism, as I've studied, I've learned about this man named George Wallace. I don't know if you know that name. George Wallace ran for governor, or was governor, of Alabama from 1963 to 1987, which was like the year after I was born, which I know there's not many of us in this room that were born in the 80s, but (laughs) I was, 86. (laughs) Um, So, but, but I say that because it wasn't that long ago, right? 87 was not that long ago. So, um, he was governor for Alabama during that time in various terms, like not consecutively, but in various terms he was governor. In 1968, he decided to run for president. Mind you, 1968 is the year that Martin Luther King Jr. was assassinated. And Wallace ran on an independent party ticket, which is like, you know, typically it's not really anything to sneeze about. Like, you don't get that many votes, but you're just making a point or whatever, you know. Hopefully that will change in the times, you know. We need some more people. But anyways... Um, He ran on an independent ticket, and get this, he won five southern states, five, and he got 10 million popular votes, and significantly, he was running on a pro-segregation platform, the year that Martin Luther King Jr. was assassinated, so, and to my knowledge, he never really decanted on that, is that the right word? Decanted. (laughs) Decanted on that um, perspective, but later in his life he claimed to become a born-again believer. So was he concerned with God's justice? I don't think so. Yeah, definitely not. So why do I talk about these examples in history? Because we are still living in the wake of those people, those decisions, those events today. There's still a stigma that we women sometimes have to battle about being labeled crazy. And certainly there's a lot of work yet to be done in regards to racial equality. And as I was prepping, the Lord brought to mind a quote from James Baldwin, who was an amazing man um, during the times of the civil rights. And here's a quote. He said, In any case, white people 
who had robbed black people of their liberty and who profited by this theft every hour that they lived, had no moral ground on which to stand. They had the judges, the juries, the shotguns, the law, in a word, power. But it was criminal power, to be heard but not respected and to be outwitted in any way, whatever. And those virtues, here it is, preached but not practiced by the white world were merely another means of holding Negroes in subjection. That's from The Fire Next Time. It's a great book. I highly recommend it. But it sounds similar, right? James Baldwin was standing up for the injustices of his time that he was experiencing, and James in Scripture is also doing the same. He's addressing the injustices of that time, saying you're taking from these people and you're taking advantage of them for your own power, for your own sake. So what about us? What about today? I believe that one of the reasons, um, well, I believe that it is so important for our souls to trust that God is just. But one of the ways that we teach each other that that's true is by allowing the justice of God to flow through us to others, right? I can say that God is just, but if I don't live a life that reflects that he is, then how are people going to really believe that? So how can we partner with God in his justice? There's many more ways than this, I'm sure, but here's just a few that I thought of. The first is, we can be in a posture of learning and listening. What can I learn from those whose histories and experiences are different than my own? Dr. Eric Mason, who is another great author and preacher, um, especially if you want to read more on this topic, He talks about raising our racial IQ. And one of the ways we could do that is talking with our friends of color and asking them, how can I support you? What has your life been like? How can I understand better when that has not been my experience? Read books, listen to podcasts, watch movies. All of these ways can raise your racial IQ. Thirdly, we can speak up. We don't have to, oh, what's that? Oh, Amber Alert. I was like, is that the fire alarm? No, Amber Alert. Oh, okay, Lord Jesus, find them. Um, We can speak up. We don't have to be rude, but we are the ones in control of what we hear and what we partner with and what we participate in. So we can draw the lines with, you know, friends and family and say, I don't want to have these kinds of conversations anymore. I don't want to have ears to hear those kinds of jokes. I don't want to support the things that you're talking about. And again, we don't have to be rude, but we don't have to participate in it or not engage with it because certainly there are times where we should hold our words. But especially on this topic, silence has been too loud in the church for too long. And we all can change that. Amen. Um, Super practically... This Christmas season, um, my, I didn't even have this on here, but I was texting with my cousin, and she was like, I'm deciding to um, buy like half of my Christmas gifts from black-owned companies this year. And I said, that's awesome, <laughs> from black small businesses. So you could do that. You could just be like, I'm going to support this financially and, and buy gifts from minority-owned companies or women-owned companies or whatever that looks like. And lastly, we can study what God's word really says. I believe for better things for our generation in this regard. 
And I really believe that because this has happened for me, that as you get in God's word and you study and you ask the Holy Spirit to meet you in that, I really believe that he will put fire in your heart over the areas that you can advocate for. The way that God has wired you or the things that you're, that he's already kind of built you to be excited about. Like all of those things overlap. And as you invite God into that and read his word, I know that he will show you ways that you can partner with him in his justice. There's so many marginalized groups and those in need of justice that I have not talked about tonight. And he can reveal to you those ones that maybe you can partner with somehow. There's hundreds of years of dishonor that I can't make up for, that you can't make up for. But what we can do is honor people now and invite them to have a seat at our table. And that's the way that it starts to change. So we know that the world is a mess, and we've touched a bit on what our role is in that. So lastly, who is God in all of this? We've talked about how God is just, and how he hears the cries of the mistreated. So let's just read this last bit for tonight, verses 7 through 11 of um, James chapter 5. It says, therefore, brothers and sisters, and you'll notice he says this several times, like he's very adamant, we are family. (laughs) Therefore, brothers and sisters, you must be patient as you wait for the coming of the Lord. Consider the farmer who waits patiently for the coming of rain and in in the fall and spring, looking forward to the precious fruit of the earth. You also must wait patiently, strengthening your resolve because the coming of the Lord is near. Don't complain about each other, brothers and sisters, so that you won't be judged. Look, the judge is standing at the door. Brothers and sisters, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord as an example of patient resolve and steadfastness. Look at how we honor those who have practiced endurance. You have heard of the endurance of Job, and you have seen what the Lord has accomplished, for the Lord is full of compassion and mercy. Um, God being just, I think, allows us to be at rest. To be about the business of loving each other well and letting him do a greater work. It doesn't mean we're not active, just like James is talking about. These prophets, they lived in the time of the complaining Israelites, right? And they were prophesying against injustice, and they were calling for repentance. But they could rest as they did that in the fact that God is just. And regarding endurance in life, how to make it all the way to the end, we see that God is compassionate and merciful. Job is the example that he gives, and it's a very good example, because Job lost his health, he lost his children, he lost his wealth, he lost his home. And in his story, we see that endurance is, is both the waiting well in the time that we live, and the finish line. And so in the end, we see that God is compassionate and merciful because he restores to Job all the things that he lost as best he could on this side of heaven, and more than that. He loved him super abundantly, replaced those things. But the thing about Job is that through his suffering, through his questioning God, through the grief, And all of this that you can read in the story of Job, all you can see is wrestling out the whole time. He was going to make it in spite of all those things. He was going to make it to the end without forsaking God. He was going to go all the way home 
Wrestling with God? Yep. Maybe wanting to die? Sure. But he knew where home was the whole time. So here we are today, and we see there's injustices in the world. There's injustices in our own lives at a global level. And maybe we're going to start to learn, if not already, what are the parts we can play in that. And we struggle through life, and we have difficulties, but we can look to see where God's compassion and mercy is amidst that. And through all of that, friends, the call on your life and the call on my life is to endure all the way home. It's to be able to walk through injustices and know God is just and I will do what I need to do, but I'm going to make it to the end. Nobody can take that from me. Nobody can take it from you when you walk through a difficult situation and you let God's compassion and mercy be evident in your life and you testify that to others. we got to make it home. Um, and to close, I want to read to you a poem from a woman who I believe is uh, one of the greatest examples in our lifetime of endurance and faithfulness to God. Endurance in the way that she's lived her life and as she is ending her, like, toward the end of her life. She is a beautiful soul. She's much older than me, and she's very British. So I wanted to play you her saying it, but then sometimes that can not come across as clearly, so I was like, I'll just read it, but... She's really wonderful. Her name is Jill Briscoe. You should look up anything she's ever preached because you'll fall in love with her immediately, like I did. Um, We all need people to look to, just like James tells us. Look to how we honor those who have practiced endurance. And she's somebody that I look to in this regard. So she wrote this poem one day in India after a traumatic and wrenching ministry visit is what she called it. So here's the poem. I think we're going to have it up there too, yeah. All the Way Home by Pastor Jill Briscoe. Shaken, drained, discouraged, sickly, tired, depressed. Glad the time of serving over, now I'll go home and rest. Hot and humid was the weather, sad and needy was the crowd. Feeling I had done my duty, earned the time of rest allowed. Soon I could return to family, yes, tomorrow I'd be gone. Sitting in the last hot meeting, I tuned in to what went on. Listened to my husband preaching, my, it was a great last talk, all about the call of Jesus, all about our life's faith walk. Stuart opened up the scriptures, talked of Jesus' pain and loss. How he who was our great sin bearer bore our guilt upon his cross. What a great word for the students, hope they'd listened, yield their hearts. They were young, their lives before them. Now their turn to do their part. Time for prayers and dedication. I was tired so late at night. Shut my eyes and wished it over when a picture sprang to sight. Saw a cross, alone, discarded. Laying at rest against the wall. Who'd laid down such holy symbol? Who'd abandoned life's faith call? Then a voice so dear, familiar. Asked a question, pierced me through. Who is it that you are expecting to carry it home for you? How could I lay down that crossbeam? How to think that no one saw? Who did I expect to lift it, to carry it to heaven's door? Jesus, Jesus, please forgive me. Carried thou your cross for me all the way to hell to save us 
Help me carry mine for thee. I'm no hero, special woman, just a lady old and gray. But my cross, Lord, I will carry. Home, Lord, home, Lord, all the way. Spoke his voice so quiet, but clearly then, all the way home, Jill, all the way, all the way home. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, I, um, I thank you so much that you are a God who is just. And I don't say that lightly. I am grateful for it because there are days where the weight of the world and the grief that I carry for the things that have happened in all of us, the things that we experience, God, we need you to be just. And I'm so grateful that you are. And I'm so grateful, God, that you are compassionate and that you are merciful. Because there's times that I don't get it right either. And I need your mercy. And there are times where things are done to us and we need your compassion and we need your grace. And God, I'm so thankful that this is who you are. And in this story, as James is writing, in this time, Father, that he addresses the injustices that were happening, Lord, I know sometimes it can be a lot to just kind of sit in stories and talk about history, but I fully believe, God, that you will use the things that we learn about the past to change our trajectory for what we do for the future, God. Because we have to know those things in order to know what not to do and to change the path. And so in Jesus' name, I believe that we have a room full of people who can do so many amazing things for the kingdom of God. And some of those things are going to be seen by a bunch of people, and some of those things are going to be seen by no one. And God, you are going to exalt the humble, and you are going to reward those who serve you, regardless of what the recognition is on this planet. And so God, would you just restore our faith tonight? If there's dreams and callings that have been dormant in this room, would you resurrect them in Jesus' name? If there are things that we have on our heart, and when we start to think about them, our heart starts pounding, God, would you give us the courage to be faithful to those things? And Father, where injustices have happened and the things that we have endured are so painful, God, would you bring healing? I pray that you would give all of us the strength to be vulnerable, to let you in and others into that healing process. And then God, would you allow us the privilege of turning what has been ugly, what has been meant for evil into something awesome so that all the world can see the power, the power of God's love, the power of forgiveness, the power of joy amid sorrow. Father, would you do it? I thank you, God, that you are the same God who was just in the times we've talked about even if we don't see it all the time plainly. And I thank you that you are God right now who is just. So Father, we just thank you for this time. Thank you for these people. Thank you for this space in your presence. I just pray that you bless the rest of our night in Jesus' name.